Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guests on today's podcast are my friends Brett and Becky Barney. And just to introduce them, they're a couple in their mid-50s. They've been married for 32 years. It's actually Becky's birthday today. We're recording this on November 16th. Happy birthday, Becky. This couple is active LDS and in a mixed orientation marriage. Brett will talk about his journey as a as a gay Latter-day Saint. He's um, just come out, about, well, not just come out, about two and a half years ago. And that's really where we'll pick up the story is Brett feeling he needed to talk to his dear bride, Becky, about his sexual orientation. That took a lot of um, guts and courage and um, that'll be a key part of the podcast. This family drove from Sterling, Nebraska, to do this podcast on a Saturday in our home. I Googled that. That's 917 miles and a 13-hour drive. And we could have done this over the phone, but this couple felt impressed it would be better for our listeners to do this personally. And I'm really glad they made the drive because sitting with them and hear, feeling their great spirit, Brett offered a wonderful prayer before we started The goal of this podcast is to help other couples in mixed orientation marriages as they hear this story, to know how they can navigate this road. It's a great podcast for all of us that are Latter-day Saints to understand the road that Brett walks and what we can do to help and support him and the things that Becky is doing to help and support him as well as supporting each other. Um, They're both kind of heroes for walking this road. And as I've just watched their body language before we started and and seeing their interaction, this is a beautiful love story. This is an authentic, real, beautiful marriage. Brett serves as his elders quorum president in the branch that he serves, and um, Becky serves in the Release Society presidency. They're the parents of five children and four grandchildren, and we just pray that a wonderful spirit will be here. And every one of these podcasts is a little bit different. Um, every podcast I've done, there's new insights and and nuggets of information or that help me to better understand and I think will help our listeners. So welcome to the podcast, Brett and Becky. Thank, Thank you. you. Anything I've said that's factually not correct? Uh, I came out three and a half years ago. Three and a half years ago. Not important <laughs> necessarily, but yeah. And um, part of your story, and I'm just going to kind of, you've known each other in Idaho Falls since you were young. So this is a love story that goes back 40 plus years of you two being oh. together. Yeah. Um, and um, obviously they, didn't, they got married later then in the Idaho Falls Temple. They didn't get married at age 10. Um, <laughs> they got married, I assume, in your 20s. Yeah. I was, I think we were 20, nearly 23. Yeah. So before we went live, um, Brett kind of told me a little bit of his story and just being in this, in this space where he saw just un, unreconcilable paths with the church, with his sexuality, with his marriage, and and was processing that all alone. So let's just kind of start there, Brett, just this really dark spot you were in through no fault of your own, um, walking a very difficult road. Okay, yeah. Um, I, had, I had come to um, the realization uh, fairly gradually over many years— um, that uh, that I was that my attractions to men were were um, uh, continuing that they were not uh, 
ephemeral, that um, they were not going to change quickly at least, and that I um, hadn't had no, I, I couldn't figure out a way to um, reconcile that thing that I knew about myself and um, my commitment to um, the gospel, to the church, um, and to Becky. Um, and I had um, gone many years through this uh, repeating cycle of wanting to, to um, be straight, basically, to, uh, to change, to um, be what I thought was expected of me, what God wanted from me, and um, failing at that and um, thinking that, uh, that there must be a way to, if I tried harder, if I were more, um, if I were just a better person, I, I could do that and, and failing. And I, over the course of years, um, I, my hope for being able to do that just vanished. Um, and in about 2015, late 2015, um, I sort of just admitted to myself that, that, that I was not going to be able to do that. And that, um, that I, these, this cycle of praying for that kind of change and, and working toward that and feeling bad about not being able to change that I, that I, I, I couldn't keep doing that. And so I, um, I had a kind of a change in the way, uh, in the nature of my prayers and, and my prayers became then instead, um, focused on all of the good things in my life. I, I had been, I had been somewhere I had picked up, uh, the, uh, council that, uh, I should pray frequently. And, and I, for some reason that made sense to me at that moment that I had so much good stuff in my life, good things that were happening that, that I had had to be thankful for that, um, that I didn't have time just praying morning and night to fit all of that in. And so I started, uh, a practice of praying very frequently throughout the day as I would, as, as something would occur to me, I would, I would talk to God, basically my, my relationship with God sort of subtly changed, um, because, um, I had, I had had to let go of this idea that I wanted to become acceptable because I believed I, I, but there was no way I could do that anymore. And I just, I just had so many things that I wanted to be expressed my gratitude about. And so that was a preparation, I think, um, to what happened in, um, in th at the April 2016 conference uh, in the morning session, uh, Elder Hallstrom gave a talk called I Am a Child of God. And we were sitting there on the, our couch uh, watching, watching this talk, and it, it, um, it, the spirit was just so powerfully present to me during that talk that I had a hard time keeping it together because 
uh, of course, um, I had, I'd been living this double life uh, with Becky for many, many years. And, and when you say double life, yeah. I think just our listeners, so they understand, it's not a life where you had a male partner. No, no. It's not that kind of double life. No. It's just had, a double yeah. life in the sense that you have this part of you you haven't told Becky about, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, she, I was trying, I had, I was putting one face on myself. You know, I was a very active member. I served in bishoprics and, um you know, elders quorums and all of that throughout that period. And, and, uh, but I had not talked about this okay. really important thing with her. And, and yet it was a very big part of my inner life. I mean, I thought about it a lot and, you know, so it felt very du- duplicitous. Exactly. And I, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I, I was listening to this, talk and in the talk he uh, he mentions uh, this conference that he and Elder Bednar attended uh, in Liberia at which I think there were 4,000, 4,100 um, of the saints who came mostly by foot and uh, public transportation and uh, gathered in this rented hall um, and they were very dedicated. They, you know, recited the scriptures that were um, part of the, the talks, and they sang the hymns, you know, by memory, from memory. And, um, and uh, he mentions that they, for the um, elder Benner, had, had them sing, um, now I'm forgetting the name of the song. Um, I, I stand all amazed, no. I can't remember now, I, I have it written down. Anyway. Uh, I, I'm getting nervous, but anyway, he, you're doing great. <laughs> he uh, had them sing, and in this, in the uh, hymn whose name I'm forgetting, uh, it uh, the words are um, the the soul upon, that uh, has, relies upon Jesus for repose. Uh, uh, I'll never, I'll never know, never forsake. That's uh, the refrain at the end. And uh, the message was, um, Elder Hallstrom's message, um, was um, that, you know, they, the, those saints understood they had, who had very little um, um, by way in terms of what the world has, knows, um, had, had everything spiritually. And I, the Spirit just sort of took my my understanding and turned it 180 degrees and i just saw really starkly at that moment that i that i had so much and that if i really believed what i believed and i did that my happiness that i couldn't be happy i I knew that i couldn't be happy in outside of my marriage outside of the church that that uh, I needed to figure that out and that I should be willing, and I was willing at that moment suddenly to do whatever it took to make it right. And so I, I thought, okay, well then, I need, to, I need to figure this out. I can't just go on, and I can't um, progress by throwing all of this away that I 
that is what brings me happiness. And so I, uh, in, in late 2015, I had, uh, around the time of the um, policy change, November 2015 policy change, I had gotten wind uh, through one of our children that the that this had happened and and um being in nebraska we don't hear uh you know the church is not in the news generally so i we hadn't heard about the policy change but one of our children pointed it out to us and i thought okay i should figure that out so that i can talk about it with him and i had done some google searching and uh, found the press release that the church had put out and i had also found some reaction um that various groups had had to that announcement. And one of them, I think it was from a newspaper, the headline was something like, um, Active Gay Mormon Supports Church's Stance, something like that. And at the time when I read it in late 2015, I thought, oh, that, I don't really, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Active Gay Mormon is not a, it's an oxymoron. But that wasn't what I was trying to figure out, and so I didn't spend a lot of time on it. But when I had this, when I had this uh, change of heart in at, during the April 2016 general conference, I thought, okay, I remembered that, having seen that, and I thought, there's something, there's some group out there in Utah, in Ogden, I think it was, that I need to tap into, that I need to figure out who these people are, what it is they're thinking, how it is that they're, they can be in the church and, and maybe that will kind of show me the way. So I did some searching and found the church's website, mormonsandgays.org was what it was named at the time. It was a one page. It was the first version of that site, a one page, uh, HTML page. Uh, in which uh, they had embedded some videos. And one of the videos um, was uh, a guy, and it had his name at the bottom, uh, Ty. And I uh, lo- looked at the video, and it was, it was just shocking to me. It was just, I could not have imagined that I would find this. It, just not, not something I would have ever th- expected. Um, that he was on, he was allowing his face to be seen. His voice wasn't disguised. He um, was obviously still a member of the church, very active member of the church, believing member of the church. And he wasn't, um, he wasn't uh, denying his sexual feelings toward men. He wasn't um, making apologies. He wasn't imagining, he wasn't berating himself uh, he just seemed really at peace. And I thought, I just had not imagined that such a thing was possible. And so I did some more searching. I thought, okay, Ty is an, a little bit of an odd name. I could, I'll bet I can find some other stuff about him. And I did. found out his name is Ty Mansfield and that, you know, that's a fairly odd name. And so I found, the, well, it is. And uh, unusual, at least not odd. Uh, but... Uh, he, you know, I found he had written a couple of books, and so I got those books, and I found uh, the North Star website, which he had, you know, he had been um, uh, had been instrumental in creating North Star, and and at that 
you know, the Voices of Hope videos. I found other videos of people talking about similar experiences of being able to reconcile these things that I had thought up until very recently were irreconcilable. And that gave me an Im- immense, um, an, an indescribable um, amount of hope that I had just completely um, lost. I had given up hope. And, um, and so I was, um, <clears throat> I was really elated and I thought, okay, well, if these people, if they found a way to do this, I, I can do this because this is more important than anything to me. And, and I'm willing at this point, you know, I had been, I had been humbled. I had, um, realized that, you know, it, it was worth everything to me. And um, that whatever it took, I, I was going to do it. And so that's kind of, I had to then prepare to tell Becky because, you know, she had, was up to this point, had, you know, I had been doing this all on my own, trying to figure out what it was I needed to do. And then, so it was a matter of talking to her. And so I don't know if you want me to yeah. Keep going. Talk about I that just, story. One comment. I think this song you're referring to, because I Googled some of the words oh, in the song, yeah, is a firm of foundation. How firm a foundation? Of course. I'm sorry. And um, But the words in there, yeah. I love, I'll never, no, never, I'll never, no, never, I'll never, no, yeah. never, no, never forsaken. In our own Elders Quorum, we talked about that song a couple weeks ago, and huh. somebody suggested it's the most popular LDS hymn, the most mm. commonly yeah. sung. and. I love your part of the story um, and the tender part, you know, of just this song, Elder Hallstrom's talk, Finding Ty Mansfield and other content. And I don't know how many times you said the word hope. Mm-hmm. Um, hope is a word that is part of the gospel of Jesus Christ and everybody needs hope. And I yeah. just recognize, you know, that there's, I think our younger people obviously mm. are... Uh, you know, this is an issue they're aware of. They're able to connect through social media. But I recognize mm-hmm. there's a lot of faithful Latter-day Saints that are very isolated, um, not telling anybody, and are looking for yeah. the type of resources you came across. And it makes me so glad that the LDS Church, you know, put together that website. The tie is a trailblazer. Um, was willing to share his story, and now you two are sharing your story. So mm. thank you. You're doing a great job. Um, Brett? So talk about coming out to Becky, and then we'll have Becky yeah. share who's okay. right here with you. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, one one thought that I had about as you were talking is that um, that it says in the, it tells us in the scriptures right that we cannot have faith without hope, right? And that that was certainly true in my life. That without having hope, you know, uh, my faith really really suffered. Um, Anyway, okay, so I uh, made a date to sit her down and talk to her, um, and it was about two weeks later. It was, in fact, April 15th. It was a Friday, and we, um, at that time, were uh, taking care of our grandson quite frequently, most, most nights. And so I chose that night because it was a date night, and we were not scheduled to have our grandson, so I thought we'll have a long you know, stretch of time, several hours together, we won't be disturbed. And so I can talk to her and we can have all the time that we need to hash it out. And, um, I, uh, so I 
I, I was reading through my journal this morning to kind of remind me of how this had, had turned out. And I, on the uh, couple days leading up to it, I had written uh, how um, how excited I was about this. And I, and in fact, I kind of worried that I was feeling excited. I thought, God, that seems a little perverse to be, you know, excited to do this thing that I had vowed that I was never going to, I was just, I was never going to tell anybody anything about this. I, you know, it was the worst thing I could imagine that this would come out. Um, but now that I had, had, uh, decided to do it, I, I was so excited. Um, and, and I realized that though, that I, I was not in control of how she would receive any of this and that it could be that, you know, she would want me, you know, I would say, um, you know, what I had to say and she would say, uh, well, you know, good for you, but get out of here and, or whatever. And, and, um, even at that, I just, I just knew that this is what I needed to do. And knowing that I couldn't feel bad about any of it anyway. So I sat her down and I said, uh, I don't know if what, if I said anything preliminary, did I, what did I say? I, I don't, did remember. I say we need to talk or something like that? And anyway, so I, I looked her in the eye and I, and we had our grandson <laughs> and we did have her end up having our grandson. Yeah. So it was not ideal situation, he but, was asleep, but he was asleep. So I said, um, I, I, I made sure I, I checked what I said. I said, uh, I have same sex attraction and I had very carefully thought about what I was going to say to her because I wanted it to communicate clearly, accurately and not, uh, and, and, and be as, I don't know, be as kind to her as possible, not, um, not give her misimpressions, uh, you know, not, I didn't want her to, uh, think that I was saying I, you know, I wanted to leave her and, uh, marry a man or something like that. Anyway. So I said, I have same sex attraction. And she immediately said, I said, I know because clear back, um, when we were still teenagers, mm -hmm. right. He had, um, told me when I was home from college on a break that, um, over Thanksgiving, he said, we need to take a walk. And he told me that he thought he, that at some point he thought he was gay. And then he said, but I am most definitely not. And I never want to talk about it again. <laughs> and I yeah. thought he was going to break up with me. So it was like, oh, who? He just thought he was gay and he's not. Yay. <laughs> he didn't break up with me. Life is so good. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And and it made perfect sense to me that he would be able to be sexually fluid enough to, you know, think at one time that he was gay. But now that he found amazing, wonderful me, you know, that was it for him. I mean, that, you know, I was naive. I yeah, yeah. and yeah. I that made great right. sense to me. I'm going okay, yeah. cool, right? And Everything's it was good. Yeah. So so when he told me, I went, I know, thinking we were having that conversation again, and um, 
but then slowly, you know, it started to kind of seep in that, well, no, this is a little different because he's not following up with the, but I definitely am not. Interesting. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. And I had forgotten, I had not forgotten that we had had that conversation all those years ago, 1983. Um, But I assumed she had forgotten because it hadn't come up again in all those years. I had, the part that I had forgotten was that I had said, I don't want to talk about it again. And that that's why she hadn't brought it up. And and I had promised that I wouldn't. And for me, that's really serious. You know, if I make a promise. Yeah. And, and so, you know, during the years when we, you know, had friends who came out and stuff, you know, I wanted to talk to him about about that okay well so what do you think how do you think their experience is different than yours because you know you you mm-hmm. decided that you mm-hmm. thought you were and then decided you weren't and why can't they do that but but i didn't because i had promised i wouldn't bring it up yeah and so we uh so i i was sort of taken aback by her saying i know that's not the <laughs> response i was expecting and so I had her explain to me what that, why she knew and why she hadn't brought it up. And I thought, okay, I need to explain that this is not, uh, that this is a big thing, you know, that this has been a huge thing for me the past 20 years at least. And that, um, that this, that I've realized that I'm not, it's not going away. At least it's not going away anytime soon. And that I, I'm okay with that, that I can be okay with that, but I don't, can't speak for her, that she needs to, you know, decide what she wants to do. And that I was really sorry that I had, um, put her in that position. I felt awful. I, I just, you know, it was a terrible moment because I knew this was what I had to do. But I knew that it wasn't going to be make it easier for her. It was going to be really, really hard for her. Anything, you know, anything she decided was not going to be easy, make it an easy path for her. But I, I didn't know what else to do. And that it was the kindest of the awful alternatives was to tell her and let her decide what to do. Um, and... May and, I interject? Yeah, please. So he he did say, and I want to stay married to you. I love mm-hmm. you, and I yeah. want to stay married yeah. to you. And so in a way, it was like deja vu. You know, he wasn't breaking up with me, you know. Wow. And, um, yeah. um, and it was interesting because um, the Holy Ghost was there. Mm. And yeah. frankly, I felt euphoric. It was, it was like, it wasn't like I was thinking, oh, that little thing that's been weird makes sense now, or that makes sense, or that clicks into place. It wasn't like that, but there was like this seismic, universal, just click, you know, the truth, this witness from the Holy Ghost that everything was going to be okay. And I, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And, um, and as I was kind of, taking that in and thinking, wow, he's attracted to men and, um, and trying to kind of wrap my head around that a little bit. And like, you know, okay, so, you know, what about, you know, so how am I attractive? Right. And, um, and, you know, and the thought came to me, um, that, um, 
uh, you know, I, I needed to ask a question at this point. And so I asked him, I said, so do I still need to shave my legs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he actually thought about it for a minute and said, well, actually, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can if you, uh, yeah, don't do me any favors by well, not. You yeah. know, it made sense to me, you know, guys have hairy legs. He's attracted to guys. You know, maybe there's a silver lining to this, but no, not so much. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. So Didn't it was actually that. a really wonderful time yeah. there for a while. It was like a honeymoon phase. Yeah. 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 What a unique story. Did you, Becky, s- some women, some spouses, I should say, have intuition that something's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And then their minds go down lots of different paths. Yeah. Right. Um, some that are pretty, anyway, difficult paths. Right. Um, did you sense there was something between you or a little wedge that, you know, um, Brett wasn't qu- quite sharing something completely? And then knowing what it is, that was really very wonderful to hear the reality right. of what it was mm-hmm. and what it wasn't and what it meant for your marriage. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I always felt like he was, um, he was, he was emotionally distant, uh, or unaccessible, I guess, and sometimes more than other times, but just generally. And, um, and every so often I'd say, you know, Brett, I just, you know, I feel like we're, you know, we're not as, connected as we could we we're not as intimate you know as far as um you just you know I feel like I don't really know you somehow Hmm. and then those conversations always devolved quickly he would say I don't know what you're talking about you know uh you're nuts (laughs) you know it and you know and I would back down and I believed him I thought well this just must be me I must be too needy I must you know, I must be bringing baggage from my childhood or something. And, and so I did, uh, I put it all on me that it was me with, with issues and I needed to, you know, do better and everything. So was this relieving then to understand what you maybe had sensed and what it wasn't then it wasn't about you. It wasn't some baggage that you had brought from age seven. Yeah. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, the Holy Ghost was just there and said, you know, everything's all right. Everything's yeah. going to be all right. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't make, it, that didn't mean though that um, it wasn't hard. It hasn't, it didn't oh, mean yeah. that it hasn't been hard. Right. Uh, that there have been really difficult things about this that, um, yeah. I mean, it's not, there's so many things that are, that we just are not told how to do, that we don't have a good model to look at, that we, um, and every situation is different. You know, they're just, there have been really, really difficult things for her Mm -hmm. and for me. But, you know, um, just having the witness of the Holy Ghost doesn't, of course, make all of the difficulties go away it's honest yeah really quick i'm during this um process kind of um i'm beginning to understand um kind of how god talks to me and um what he does is he gives me this huge amazing witness and then it gets really hard for a while and for me um that's really important because i can you know, I can lean on the testimony that I got 
I can lean on that witness to get me through the hard parts. So like I said, we had kind of this honeymoon phase. He was over the moon happy, you know, and, and in fact, leading up to telling me he was so happy, it scared me. Um, I called my <laughs> sister and said, he's so happy. I don't know what's going on and I'm bawling. And she's going, I know he's not having an affair, Becky. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be doing that. I just, you know, I don't sense that from him. And I'm going, well, what is it? He's so happy. <laughs> and she's going, I don't know, but you just, just hang on. And, and, you know, and then I had a friend and I called the friend and said, he's so happy. I just don't even know what to think. And, and she said, oh, don't worry. It goes away soon. Believe me. <laughs> but anyway, so, but we were so happy. And, but then it got hard, right? Real life gets hard. And, but I had that testimony. I had that amazing witness. Help our listeners understand why it gets hard. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, for us, what, one of the examples, uh, that comes to mind is we had, uh, so this was mid April. We had, uh, planned a trip, a really unusual trip for us. The next month, I believe. I think it was in May. Yeah. It was in May or sort of the early part of May. Uh, just a couple of weeks after this, we were going to um, New Jersey uh, and we were going to spend about a week there. And um, we couldn't then just change it, even though kind of the the shiny had worn off of the trip. Yeah. Not for me. Well, it, it, it I was worried about it. Let's say that. And we were planning to visit some friends who had moved to New England. And uh, we were, you know, it was an exciting time. But um, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, you know, on this trip, you know, because our, our, we were still figuring out our interactions. Um, Anyway, we had an extra day at the end of the New Jersey part. Uh, And so we love New York City. Haven't been there much, but we love it. And so we thought, well, we'll go over to New York City and spend the day in New York just wandering around and going to Grace Papaya and things that we love there. Um, And we did that. But at the end of the day, we got back to our hotel. And um, maybe you should talk about that. Well, um, we, we got to the city and we were walking around and all of a sudden I lost him. I felt him go, uh, you know, and I was thinking, you know, have I, have I, am I not being cheerful enough? And is my conversation boring, but he was, you know, he was gone and he was gone for the rest of the day. And, um, he was there, but his mind was gone. Yeah. He just, the emotional connection, he he was gone, you know? And, um, and, and like I said, we love New York city. I mean, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and so what would have been just, you know, something that, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, we talk, 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 and oh, look at that and that. But right. he was gone. He right. was gone. And come to find out, uh, when we got uh, back to the uh, motel, yeah, I don't remember if I brought it up or said, you know, is something wrong with you or what. Well, we had gotten in the habit since uh, I'd come out her <clears throat> that of talking at length every night. You know, we just <sighs> had so much to talk about. And so I think it was just that, that, you know, we were then lying in bed talking about the day and what was going on with us. And, um, I, I said to her that it was just a really hard day to be, you know, uh, just see so many attractive men. And I felt horrible that to say that for one thing, but that that had been my experience. You know, I just, I, I felt bad that I, 
that I, I felt like I was robbing her, that I couldn't be, you know, that I couldn't put my attractions aside for that one day, you know, and, and just spend, you know, be focused completely on her. And, and, um, and I didn't feel like I could talk to her during the day about it because that would, you know, that would do the same thing that would take all the focus, you know, from what I wanted to do. And I just, it just felt like a no win situation. And, um, and so what we ended up, what she ended up saying was that, that uh, she wanted me to say when that was happening. And I thought, Oh, really? You want, huh? Oh, we didn't know anybody who did that. I mean, <laughs> That just seemed perverse um, and, and really uncomfortable for both of us. Just, just really uncomfortable. I mean, I just, it, it just felt so, so awful to do that and f for both of us. And, and I said, well, okay, I, I'll try it. I'll, you know, when, when I see some guy that I think is really attractive, I'll, I'll let you know, but I'm not going to, I mean, you know, we're in public, what am I going to say? And so we had this code word that, you know, I would say, um, when, you know, when I was, when I had that feeling, you know, when that, uh, you know, that moment and, um, it was, may, may I interject? Yeah, sure. And so he'd say that code word and I'd be going, where, 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 and you know, I'm looking around <laughs> and, and, and frankly, what he finds attractive, I'm, I'm left going, what? Really? Yeah, that was, and so, yeah. so I, where, where, where? And, you know, he'd be going, uh, over there. Where, where? What? Yeah, it was, that was just, it was so <laughs> awkward and uh, just awful. It was just very, very hard because I couldn't just, you know, acknowledge it and be done because then she wanted to like follow up and, and, and then I, it just made it very, I had to really face it and, and then she would say, really? That guy? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah. And then I felt like bad for like I have bad taste or I don't know. It was just, just it was terrible. <laughs> and, uh, but over the course of time, I thought, well, she really wants, and I, and I, then I, you know, that night and subsequently I made sure that re she really, this is really what she wanted me to do. I was willing to do it, even though it was really painful. But if this is what she really wanted me to do, and she assured me that she did, that she's the sort of person who wants to know. She doesn't want to have uncomfortable things hidden from her just because they're uncomfortable. It it's just, better to know. Yeah, and just real quick, I had spent the first 28 and a half years of our marriage, um, you know, sensing something and thinking it was, you know, me doing something wrong somehow. Mm. And um, the only way that I could not be that person anymore is to know the truth so that that false narrative wouldn't automatically click into my brain. Right. And the only way for that to not happen, right, is to know what was really going on. Mm -hmm. So like in New York, I thought, uh, you know, uh, he's realized that I'm not smart enough for him and that I'm boring to go to New York. For, you know, that was the negative narrative. The false Click. narrative. Yeah, the false right. negative narrative. Right. And so really knowing would have really been helpful, you know, having him say, oh, crap, I just saw some really handsome men and I'm kind of feeling 
icky about it that I was attracted to them or something would have just, you know, I could have said, oh, baby, mm. where? <laughs> you know, really? Right. right. <laughs> but and anyway, right. so I, I needed to know. I had, yeah. I had to know. Yeah. And so that was that, but that continued to be really uncomfortable for months, probably. I mean, it was just really, I mean, because, you know, attractions don't take a break. They don't for me anyway. And I, you know, so we'd be in the middle of anything and I would have to interrupt, you know, to say, oh, the code word, the code, <laughs> Burma. <laughs> Now we have to choose a different one. But anyway, so uh, I would have to acknowledge that and then risk derailing what else was going on or risk feeling like uh, she didn't want to hear it because she didn't acknowledge it. You know, it was just it was it was very hard. Um, Eventually, though, we both got accustomed to it enough that I could do it without feeling like a horrible person. And it didn't, you know, we could laugh about the fact that, you know, she didn't agree or um, that, you know, that she took issue with, you know, my taste or whatever. And and uh, I got kinder and gentler. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, honey, I, I can see why you would find him attractive. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and anyway, but that and, and what has ended up happening with that is that. That just doesn't happen as often because the the uh, the the shame has been sucked out of it, and it just it's not a big deal. And sometimes, in fact, sometimes in more recent months, she's said, "God, it's been a long time since that's happened. Is there something I should worry about?" I said, "Well, no, it just." it just doesn't feel the same anymore. I mean, it's not that I don't find guys attractive still. I do, but it's just not that same kind of gut wrenching, um, alarming feeling. And, and, um, I can try to, you know, point it out more, more thoroughly, but it just doesn't feel important. It doesn't feel, um, it's not a major event anymore. Right. And, and, and yeah, and the point that I think is important to realize here is that it wasn't that, you know, I needed to know every single time he saw a man that was attractive, but what happened is he would have this experience, right? That was gut wrenching and made him, and he felt bad and he felt shame and then I'd lose him emotionally, you know? And so it's really cool that that doesn't happen hardly ever anymore. You know, that we can go through our days, we can, you know, we can wander any city we want or whatever, and I don't lose him like that. Uh, even if he does find somebody who's, he sees somebody that's amazingly attractive, that I yeah. don't lose him like that. Yeah. This right. is a fascinating segment you just did. No one's ever done this segment before, <laughs> which is what I hope would happen. Every story's different. Mm. Um, I wish, I mean, if I were clinically trained, I think I'd say there was a principle of therapy that occurred there that de-shamed you, that actually put you in a better spot. Mm. I love your word, word use of the word shame, mm. Brett, and because you're willing to process with Becky, it eventually, the shame of just having attractions and Becky never shaming you for that allowed you to... It, I sense have less attractions in this gut-wrenching experience that may have been rooted in shame 
And that cycle of self-loathing, because Becky didn't add that to you, she kind of de-shamed that whole experience for you, that then it helped you get in a better spot with that. And it's so unique. You walk this road together. Um, It's a beautiful love part of your marriage and this love story that there's no owner's manual for what you just did. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the principles there can be scaled to other marriages, marriages of all kinds Mm. that aren't mixed orientation marriages where, you know, there's just thoughts that occur at times that you wouldn't share with your partner. And I'm sure everybody should always share every thought, but what you just shared brought yourself closer together because you have these common goals to make your marriage work. And, and then the emotional withdrawal does take, um, the other spouse down a road that often is looking inward at him or her on what they're doing to cause the other spouse to withdraw. And it's really not. Um, Right. And so this, for you, the reality of what all the things you were considering versus the reality of what was going on the, was mm-hmm. much better. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. But, you know, but it's not all easy, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. like, if, you know, if we went into town and there were, you know, 89,000 code words, you know, going like crazy, we'd go home and, you know, I look in the mirror and go, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, where do I fit? You know, right. he never, he never says the code word when I walk in the yeah. room. Right. That was, you know? a, that was a big and issue too. So, and, and so, you know, it's not all, oh, you know, just tell, tell your spouse everything and everything's roses. It's like, you can tell your spouse things, but it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Right. And it had to be, it had to be, for me, it had to be founded in this conviction that, that I, it had to be founded in Christ eventually that I, no matter what I did, I had to be honest to myself and to what I felt God wanted me to do. And that if I was doing that, no matter how hard, no matter how hard it was on anybody else, even that, that that's what I had to do. And that, um, that, that will always be better no matter you know, all the ugliness you might go through. Um, if I could feel like, uh, I'm doing that, I'm trying as hard as I can to do that. You know, that's really, that's a huge, um, solace that, you know, if, if, if I'm doing everything I can to do what, what I believe God wants me to do, I, I can, I can, um, bear a lot of, a, a lot of difficulty. And I can trust him. Yeah. And and the thing that's cool is that um, um, I have been able to understand, been able to learn, you know, my where I do fit in, my place, mm. and yeah. and um, and it's wonderful and amazing and a great great blessing and and it's real. It's not some little <laughs> Walt Disney movie and they rode off into the sunset you know, place. It's a real place. And, um, you know, and I, I actually take issue a little bit sometimes with, um, the term, you know, mixed orientation. Yeah. Tell us if you do why, because, um, Brett and I, um, are oriented in the same direction. That's beautiful. We are oriented the same, our marriage and our marriage being forever and the gospel of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you know, we're same oriented. That's beautiful, Becky. Yeah. That's really beautiful. 
will you talk to, I had one um, wife who was here on the podcast talk about just wondering if her marriage, hmm. you know, she looked back at her original wedding photos and she wondered, did he really love me? And was this mm-hmm. all, I can't remember the words she used, but she just yeah. went through a period of time where she thought, did he really love me? Mm-hmm. And yeah. does he love me now? And if his orientation is towards men, you know, what does that mean about me and our marriage? And so that's a very unique road you're walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of you talking to the straight spouses that are walking that mm-hmm. same road. What mm-hmm. thoughts do you have for them? And what advice do you have for others that may need to hear your voice and saying, well, how do I walk this road? I want our marriage to stay together. It's an eternal marriage. But I haven't exactly had a Release Society lesson or an Elders Corps lesson if you're this to help me figure this out. Yeah, Um, and that's funny that you say that because I have said that exact thing. Um, It's like this was nowhere in Young Women's. Thank you very much. And they're not talking about it in Relief Society. Um, I we're not getting a memo from the stake president. No general conference talks. Uh, General conference talks. Um, We'll sometimes talk about same sex attraction, but. Nobody has said anything about the 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 women that are married to men with same sex attraction or vice versa. That's never been it's like it's I you know, I feel like I'm invisible in the church sometimes. And it's and honest. it's difficult when the church is where I want to find, you know, my information and my guidance because there isn't a lot of information out there anyway um in the world it's basically like oh holy cow you made a mistake get a divorce yeah uh, i mean that's the information out there for brett and me you know it's like right. brett needs to go be who he really is <laughs> and divorce me right. and i need to get some self-esteem and divorce him yeah. and so you know uh and, and being a, a devout member of the church I looked to the church, and there isn't anything. And so I felt um, invisible in the church. And, like, maybe there isn't a place for me in the church for a minute. But um, but I've realized that, um, uh, um, you know, the atonement is hard to completely understand, but there was some little tiny little fragment of time in that, that uh, Jesus Christ suffered Becky Barney's pains and suffered for Becky Barney's sins. And, you know, it was my moment. I have a distinct moment in the atonement, I believe. And because of that, Christ knows me. And this is Christ's church. And because of the atonement, I have a place in it. And so that's what I hold on to. Uh, um, you know, the people, the people in my branch are wonderful or stake, um, my leadership, my, uh, local leadership, they are not the ones who, um, are the ones that give me a place in the church. The general authorities do not give me a place in the church. The prophet himself does not give me a place in Christ's church. Jesus Christ himself gave me a place in his church. And I, I cling to that and try to go forward in faith. Um, 
I do uh, also take issue with straight. <laughs> the term straight. <laughs> the Good. term straight because <laughs> straight has a connotation of, you know, being uh, of like goodness, you know, the straight and narrow path, even though that's spelled So he's not straight. Yeah. Right. So what's Brett? Crooked, you know. Interesting. And, and I am not in a marriage where, you know, I'm the good guy and I'm being kind and gentle and compassionate to the guy who, well, you know, has challenges. You know, uh, we are. It's a pity marriage. Yeah. We are equally yoked and he is strong and amazing and faithful. And frankly, I'm just running my little legs off to keep up with him. But, um, you know, he's just as straight as I am as far as being honest and, um, true. And, and so straight, I think, um, give just kind of gives a certain connotation that I am uncomfortable with. (laughs) But that said, yeah, that being said, I don't, um, I, I wish I had something to say, um, to other, uh, women in my position. Um, but every marriage is so, so different. And I feel so inadequate to make any kind of grand statement. All I can say is, you know, this is my experience and I hope it's helpful. Um, Brett actually had more thoughts about this than I did. I did. When we talked about that. But I think you've helped a lot of people with, especially what you talked about the atonement of Jesus Christ and, Hmm. I'm struck with this phrase, I think it's in D&C somewhere, 80-something, that Christ descended below all things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's obviously part of the atonement that's sin-related that you don't need to access. I guess we all do, but this isn't— Oh, believe me, I do. (laughs) We're not talking about sin here in this podcast, um, Mm -hmm. but there's the ability of Christ to descend below all things, even though he didn't personally— somehow on earth he didn't experience it, but because of the atonement he did— And to me, I love that, you know, he can walk with you mm-hmm. and all of us in our unique roads because mm-hmm. he's descended below all the things that we've experienced to understand everything we've experienced. And he's really our elder brother that can help heal and give us hope. So I, I really love what you shared mm-hmm. um, and just the honesty of your situation. Brett, your thoughts on this? Um I, she said I had some, so I guess I better remember what they were. Um, <clears throat> I I have encountered uh, other people in similar situations as, as ours who um, seem to take some kind of um, comfort in imagining that they are that their experience is uh, a pattern or that, that they're part of a group. It, I think we sometimes certainly um, as, as gay members or however you want to identify as um, men who experience same sex attraction, I've often a man who experienced same sex attraction, I've often felt isolated. And so the idea that I'm not isolated is very appealing. Of course, um, sometimes, though, I think we take that desire and um, make it into uh, a, um, we we want to project our own experience into a rule for other people. 
because that somehow makes us uh, feel normal, feel like uh, our, our experience is okay because we're in it together with other people. Um, and so I've sometimes heard people say things like, uh, in, in uh, all mixed orientation marriages, um, the, uh, the, the gay member, whatever, whatever, the uh, same-sex attracted spouse, uh, only the, they were able to be attracted to one person that they married, but it, that was the only person they were ever attracted to of the opposite of sex. The opposite sex yeah. um, and I just, I, that's not true in my experience. That, that has not been true, you know? Um, and I don't want to make my experience a rule or a pattern or set it up in as some kind of um, expectation for other people because I am the last person that I would want people to pattern anything after. I don't, I, <laughs> it has not been pretty. Um, and I don't want to suggest that I know something that I've discovered some kind of wisdom that is going to apply to anybody else beyond the basic couple of things that I know to be true, that universally true, that um, God knows each of us and that he is willing to help each of us individually and that trying to tap into his wisdom regarding our, us individually is always a good idea. That will always yield good fruit. I have had uh, the sacrament just has taken on a whole new meaning for me in the past you know, few years. I've had amazing spiritual experiences during the sacrament. Um, revelation, you know, those, again, like I mentioned earlier, those huge bursts from the Holy Ghost, you know, that prepare me for, you know, a hard spell. And so I have really gained a testimony of, of um, personal revelation. And we have a teeny tiny branch. So our sacrament is, you know, like <laughs> two minutes long. And yet, you know, you know, a world of revelation can, you know, the Holy Ghost, it's an amazing thing, can happen in that two minutes. And, um, and so it's just really been wonderful, really wonderful. Yeah. I do love both of your answers there. I love this idea that we shouldn't, you know, that each LGBTQ experience is different. Mm -hmm. And... um. And sometimes we hear a narrative from one experience, and then we sort of say that's that's the narrative for everybody. But mm -hmm. as a as trying to understand this space, um, I certainly agree with what you said, and I love this. I love your example of saying, you know, Becky. I was obviously attracted to Becky, fell in love with Becky. Mm -hmm. um, but some people would say, well, it's the only person I could have married. And I loved your just pragmatic answer that maybe, you know, I, this is clearly yeah. the right person for you to marry. But right. we sometimes make these very binary statements, or mm -hmm. um, and I just realized that everybody's story is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and, and me we as need an to allow for that. Yeah, and me yeah. as an outsider shouldn't sort of say what your story is. I actually, like. One of the things you've done very gently here is why I've taken on some terms and you've said very kindly why we don't, you know, mixed orientation marriage isn't really a great label for us. Hmm. 
We'll probably still put you in the section of the podcast on my website, yeah. Mixed Orientation oh, Marriages. Yeah. Yeah, we, I know you're fine with not, that. Yeah, and well, and I it's love not what, like we say, you know, no one should ever say I know, that. It's, it's not like, like you've got that on your bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. It's a crusade. But I actually love what you taught there, though, is um, the two things you just taught. I don't like to be called the straight spouse, hmm. and I don't like this to be called a mixed orientation marriage. Um, in not an activist or an angry way, but just a very wonderful teaching way. And so what you just shared, it was great. Um, very helpful for me. Talk about, well, I can ask questions you could share. I want to have you talk about why you started, why your ward knows the elders okay. call presidents gay. Um, you could have just said, I'm going to yeah. talk to Becky yeah. about this. Yeah. We're going to just keep yeah. this within the two of us. But you felt yeah. impressed to share this with other yeah. people. Oh, this is a great story. Uh, is it? I okay. think so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, it was, hmm, I, I don't think I can adequately describe what that experience uh, was like for me uh, in uh, April of 2016. I just the the spirit just kind of sh- shook me and that realization just changed everything for me that i i didn't that there was a way out for me that that there was a resolution possible to me i think um i am the sort of person who um who mm, i I don't know what to call my gift, but I think my gift is to, I just don't have, I just don't have a lot of privacy issues, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's not in the Doctrine and Covenants Much in the to list, my dismay. list of <laughs> spiritual gifts. But, um, but um, I just, once I knew that, that it, that there was a way for me, I just didn't care. I mean, I just literally, it, I didn't have to have a talk with myself. It did, did not occur to me that to, to care who knew, because uh, what, what, what do these, what did anybody's opinion matter at that point? Um, and so I just thought, well, I, I need to do everything I can for myself to, to, to be okay. And if there's something here that can, that God can use, boy, sign me up. I just, you know, there's so little that I felt like I've been able to do in my life. That's, uh, useful that I I can do that. That's certainly something I can do. So what I did was, uh, I, first of all, I, the next thing I did after talking to Becky was the next day, actually Sunday, I made an appointment and talked to my branch president, and I uh, had a good conversation with him. And then... Um, Were you serving as the elders corn president then? Y- yes. Yeah. And I uh, then I, at some point, I also, I oh, I know, I asked him whether there was some kind of support group in the area, in the stake or something for uh, uh, gay, same-sex attraction, whatever. Um, and... He said, well, I don't know. I'll talk to, I have a, a PPI with the state president. I'll, I'll ask him that. And so, um, he came back and said, well, yeah, there is, they meet on Wednesdays. And then I realized, oh, he's talking about the addiction recovery program. Um, that's not what I had in mind. And so, uh, so then I ended up talking to the state president and, 
and had a good conversation with him. But what I came to figure out is that there's n- there was nothing available for for me or people in my situation that I could pinpoint. He also said kind of vaguely, well, uh, to talk to the LDS Family Services. And so I did that eventually, but it was clear that they had nothing to offer. Um, and so I thought, wow, okay. Well, I know people who have started support groups. I can, I can do that. I hate, I'm not a leader sort at all. I, I, I'm, I, I have too many issues. Uh, I'm a, yeah, I'm the youngest. I like other people to plan it and I like to contribute, but I'm not the go-to guy for things. And so, but I thought, okay, nobody else is going to step up and do it. I wish it were in place already, but it's not. So the only thing for me to do is to, is to make it happen. Um, the state president had been very encouraging about my, uh, about a support group, but it was also clear that he couldn't be the one running it, doing it, making it happen. Um, and so I thought, well, I, I don't know anybody else who experienced the same sex attraction in the stake in anywhere. Um, and so how do I do this? And so I wrote a letter to uh, a letter to all of the men in the stake that I knew. All, and all of the unit um, leaders saying, okay, uh, I experienced same-sex attraction and I want to get, uh, find a faithful uh, way to support our members who are in a similar, similar situation. Um, and so if you are aware of anybody or are aware of somebody who might be aware of somebody for whom that would be a useful resource, let me know. And I gave him my, uh, you know, contact information. And then I just waited, but I wrote a couple dozen letters, I think, and sent them out. I just thought, I I don't care who knows, you know, the more people who know the better, in fact, because then there's more chance of this, you know, getting to the ears of the people who, who might be helped. Right. May I interject here real quick? We were told that we couldn't place, you know, uh, a, you know, announcements or uh, in like the bulletins. You know, we couldn't say uh, Brett's firing up a support group. That they, it couldn't be in the bulletins. It couldn't be. Um, it, we couldn't hand out separate flyers at church. We couldn't post anything on the in the uh, you know the, the on the bulletin board at church or anything. So there just was really no way to get the word out. Right. Except to, you know, write letters to everybody that we knew. And we knew quite a few because we've lived in our state quite a bit and there's been ward changes and we moved and, and stuff. So we knew quite a few people. And yeah. so that's, that's what, yeah. that's what he did. Yeah. And so, and since then I have followed up it's, uh, several times. Um, and, and luckily then, um, sort of fortuitously, I was two fellows were referred to me the same week, I think, so that we were able to have our first meeting in, um, I think it was July of 2017. Are you going to share the funny story about, Oh, are you going to share the funny story about your first meetings? What the, what the, Oh, the ones before that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it was kind of a chicken and egg problem. (laughs) I had a support group, but nobody to attend it. Um, and I thought, well, if I don't have it going, then I can't 
ask any, invite anybody to it, but I can't really have a meeting with no members. And so, uh, I talked to a good friend in the stake uh, who, um, who is not, who doesn't experience same sex attraction, but is just a really good guy friend. And, um, said, okay, I have this support group, but no members. So, and I've, I have this room and everybody's wondering why I'm sitting in this room all by myself. Right. (laughs) And so, uh, he came, he came, uh, and you know, uh, we chatted, um, and, and I, I felt like I needed to keep it on topic. So we, we talked about the, you know, church, uh, uh, website and and things like that, um, but yeah, he came in and was the uh, the token straight guy for no this token gay guy you know, right? well a fake <laughs> gay guy or something yeah. anyway for for a while before we had uh, other other people and he he teases Brett now because he says yeah yeah the minute you know somebody with same sex attraction shows up boop. Yeah, you know, I'm out of there. Right. <laughs> so you did find some yeah, people, and this started in July of 2017. Is right. this still going on? Uh, actually, we're on hiatus because uh, it's been difficult to keep going because there's just been resistance. It's it's not been overt at all. There's just this barrier to. There's kind of a culture of silence that's hard to break through. Um. So. Uh, because I think many, well, I know many of the unit leaders just feel, uh, they, there's, mm, how to say this? They, they just, for them, homosexuality is just such a, an uncomfortable and distasteful thing to think about that if they don't have to, if they're not forced to they certainly aren't going to willingly think about it, talk about it. And so I've had responses from unit leaders who say, well, I don't know of anybody in my ward. So we don't have that problem. Yeah, don't yeah. have that problem. Yeah. So, you know, we'll take a pass. And, and that's the end of it. You know, they don't, uh, you know, they don't want to do anything proactively. And, and I completely understand why that is. But because that that builds a culture of silence that, you know, other members who are in their wards or, and who are possibly, you know, uh, you know, gay and not out, you know, they understand that they get they definitely pick up on that vibe that uh, talking about this is not good. And so unless I'm really forced to by some kind of crisis, I'm not going to bring it up. And so it just doesn't get talked about. So it's been difficult to to um, network, uh, and uh, I, I we also I should say that I we um, in maybe later in 2017 I forget years yeah. blend together, I think it was maybe in early 2018 actually we put together a fifth Sunday lesson uh, introducing the church's uh, Mormon and gay. Uh, website website right uh just just doesn't i thought well i want to keep this completely um completely by the book so i don't want to make this about me and i don't want to um speculate I i don't want to get off from the authorized materials at all and so it was literally just excerpts from mormonandgay.org 
and an introduction to that site. And how to get to it. And how to get to it. And we did that as a fifth Sunday lesson in our branch. So it reached about, I don't know, a dozen, 15 people, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) But it was good practice. And having made the PowerPoint, I I thought, okay, well, this is another reason, gives me another occasion to approach the unit leaders and say, okay, here, I've made this. I'll make I put it up and made it available to them if they wanted to use it. And I uh, also said, and we are a resource. Please use us if you want to, you know, for whatever reason um, in any way. Uh, And a couple of units took us up on that. So we were able to present the fifth Sunday lesson. That's great. At two other units in the stake, two other wards in Lincoln. Um, But again, it's the momentum hasn't been there. It just, we, yeah. yeah. But amazing things happened in, during those presentations. Oh yeah. They were amazing. amazing. They were so good. I mean, after our very first presentation in our tiny little branch, tiny little branch, uh, somebody approached Brett and said, me too. And you know, we went home with our mouths hanging over because we didn't even think about that happening. Yeah. Farthest thing from my mind. Yeah. But you know, but one of the wards that we presented in, we had people coming out during the presentation. Yeah. And so, you know, there, you know, so, you know, there are people and there are people who really, really, really want to feel accepted and safe and be able to talk. But man, we've had a hard time getting a venue for right that. right B- because like i said uh many of the leaders feel like uh they will address it when it comes to them reluctantly but but they will but they That's are not they are not work. anxious to create a, a, a an environment in which it's likely that people will feel open to talking about it um I wrote a, a letter, a long letter to, I have a good friend in, in um, Great Britain, uh, shout out to Glenn Dolben, <laughs> great guy, hey. um, who, who, is, who is doing really amazing things. He and his wife uh, offered, Hi, Sandy. Offered, offered themselves up to uh, present their story at uh, training meetings in Great Britain. And so they have presented to all of the coordinating councils in the country and many other venues. They have presented to many, many people. And I, he, was, he would talk to me about this experience, and I thought, I, I would love that opportunity. I, I just don't know how. It came to them partly because he knows their area authority, 70. He has kind of a personal connection with him. I thought, well, I don't, I don't know our area authority, our, our area what do they call it? 70? Yeah, Area Authority 70. Right, president. Uh, in fact, they kept changing it on us. I think we've had four different ones in the last no, three years. Anyway, I, uh, and I don't have that kind of connection, so I don't know how to, how to present the idea there. And so I wrote a long letter, finally was motivated to do that this, earlier this year. And... Um, it was difficult to even get the name of the fellow I should send it to. We called and couldn't find it on the web. It, it was not available. Becky ended up calling Salt Lake, and they, they, the woman on, that she talked to, well, you should tell it because you were the one that it happened to. Uh, well, she Googled it and, and said, well, he, you know, look here. And I said, oh, I've already looked here. And 
it doesn't say it says you know here's a whole here's a whole bunch of guys but it doesn't say specifically you know which one's ours (laughs) and um and you know and I kind of kept persisting and she got a little bit short with me and and basically you know yeah uh you know ended the conversation yeah and I told Brett I feel like I did something wrong right right (laughs) I, I mean I came away feeling like I'd been trying to do something wrong right something nefarious and so we ended up uh not ever finding out we could not we were refused the information who our area authority 70 was <laughs> um no matter who we asked and so i thought well okay i'll just write to whoever he is and uh there was an unusual training meeting scheduled that i happened to be invited to because i was an elders quorum president so our elders quorum presidents bishops branch presidents and Relief Society presidents. <clears throat> Elder Renlund was coming to visit our area and a bunch of 70s. I think there were four of them there. Um, so it was a really rare opportunity. I thought, okay, well, I'll get this letter ready and I'll just hand it to him, whoever it is. Um, I talked to the state president and he said, oh, no, can't do that. You have to go through me. Um, and so I said, okay, well, I'll hand it to you and you can hand it to him. And so I did that. Um, but the response I got back was that um, that the that the brethren had uh, the brethren had had created uh, training materials and that they didn't that he didn't want to um, add anything new to that. And so, I, you know, they're just I've just been sort of stymied. Um, and I can understand, I can understand certainly that I'm an unknown quality, you know, I, I'm an unknown quantity, so quality is <laughs> unknown too. But um, I'm, I'm, you know, he doesn't know me and he can't be sure about my motivations or my, whether I have some kind of agenda or whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, they need to be careful. Um, but I don't know how to, you know, I've been... I've been frustrated with not knowing how, how to get past that. You know, I'm not in the fortunate situation of a lot of people uh, here who, you know, who go to church with uh, or have somebody in the stake who is in the leadership. You know, we're, we're in a very uh, isolated corner of the church in a lot of ways. Um, And uh, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I want to, I want to abide by, I want to do it right. Um, but I also feel that I have something, uh, you know, that, that I've been given something to use and I don't know, um, how to use it if I'm not given the opportunity. Do you, do you want to talk about why training is so important, that you feel training oh, is so important? Yeah, sorry, I not? should have. Yeah, yeah. This is why I was, I had thought about this for a long time. I mean, Glenn and Sandy have been doing this for a, a long time, oh, well over a year, probably two years. And and I had, he in fact had asked his his area authority, 70, to prepare a letter to help me introduce the concept and he had done that very graciously. Um, wonderful. Um, and, but I had kind of sat on it because I didn't, you know, I, I've been so busy with other things and I it just didn't feel, I just didn't know how to go about it right. 
I was prompted, though, to kind of act when um, one of the guys in my group, um, one of the fellows who comes to my group uh, has, has stepped away from the church, who no, he no longer attends church, and in fact had decided at one point to have his name removed because of a couple of um, unfortunate experiences he's had with leaders, one of which was he was told by his bishop, uh, he went in to a bishop uh, with an issue um, regarding same-sex attraction. And uh, the bishop, when he found out that uh, this fellow is gay, he said his response was, uh, well, uh, perhaps you need to find a different church. And I was shocked to hear that. I had never heard of such a thing. And, um, and of course, this man was understandably dismayed to hear that, and it has been very hard for him to overcome that and and he still doesn't attend church and and i have since had very good interactions in fact with that particular bishop he is his is one of the wards in which we were able to present our fifth sunday lesson so i know that that bishop learned from that experience um and so i don't don't want to uh, suggest that he's a bad person or anything like that but just that idea that that our leadership is in a in in a position where when confronted by certain difficult issues they that their response might be you should find a different church i just i think that's uh, a terrible situation and it came up again another fellow who attends the support group a younger guy was told the same thing by his bishop earlier this year and I thought, okay, this obviously is not a one-off. This must happen with some kind of frequency. And it's happening in this stake, even after all that we've done, all that other people have done. And so I, I've been trying to get a meeting with that bishop, have a training of bishops in the stake about this, and a real training in which I offer myself up and say, okay, I will role play the guy in your office. Okay. I'll come to you and I'll be that guy. I'll say the scary, awkward stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll be the practice. Yeah. I'll, I'll have the, you know, uh, but I, and because I think without having gone through that process, without having thought about it, we're likely to have leaders who don't react well in the, on the spur of the moment. And, and, I think that this is a solvable problem. This is not, this is not something that we are just, uh, we need to be resigned to. Um, and, and I, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not offendable. You can't offend me. So I'm the perfect Guinea pig, you know, you, you know, use, use me. Um, but I, I, I'm not the one who can make that happen. I, Certainly agree that there's an with you and a couple thoughts. There is a huge need for education, and yeah. I've heard a lot of those stories. and And I probably have made mistakes as a leader when I didn't have any education on what to yeah. say. And so there is a huge need for education. And I like the Mormon and Gay website. I love that you use that as a fifth Sunday. That would be my recommendation to mm-hmm. anybody that's doing a fifth Sunday is to follow your pattern. Brett and Becky, and use the just the church's website. Yeah, and um, I I just 
it is a taboo subject, and I like the way you kind of illustrate it as no one wants to really proactively talk about it. It's more if they're confronted with it. And I just think we can mature as a church to have to proactively talk about this subject. Our leaders are using the term LGBT. Yeah. Um, so um, Elder Ballard's comments at BYU in November, you know, we need to do better than we have in the past until all yeah. of our LGBTQ members have a, feel like it's a spiritual home. Yeah. That's a foundational, you know, part of our doctrine that it's all alike unto God. So that Elder Ballard's right. statement fits with that. And it's a lot better. Sometimes I get asked to speak at firesides and talk about this, but it's always, and sometimes I'll bring an LGBTQ person, but it's always better to hear from you, Brett. (laughs) Um, So I think we need to mature that we hear from our LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, share their experience, because that's certainly what I had to do. And really the purpose of this podcast is to bring voice to couples like you that know this road and so you can share your experiences so um, I hope you know just more I, I just hope we learn how to form community I've noticed that we have a sweet so so we Sahili I didn't say that right branch we have a Tongan stake uh. we have Genesis groups so we have um, support groups around ethnic um, Latter-day Saints and I think this would just be a normal Mm-hmm. A maturity of the church is to be able to form more community and talk about this subject yeah. and recognize that we have members of our own faith that are LGBTQ and we need to, you know, create the balm of Gilead for them. But we're not going to do that unless we talk about it. Yeah, and and hear your experiences of what are helpful and not helpful. Hmm. Um, we're kind of coming to the end. Um, are there? I want to make sure we get to other subjects you wanted to cover. Okay. Anything that's on your radar map of make things you wanted to make sure to cover? Hmm. Becky? <laughs> no. No? Um, yeah. Tell us about your elders. Um, they know you've got a gay elders corn president. Yeah. Is that, if I had all your elders here, and I don't, you probably have a range, you probably yeah. don't know exactly how everybody feels, but... Yeah. Obviously, your leaders didn't release you as elders mm. corn president because you're gay. <laughs> right. Um, and Did I mis- we say we have a very tiny branch? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, I assume this doesn't come up every lesson. I no. assume that, you know, you have a right. normal set of lessons and this is yeah. just one aspect of yeah. you. And yeah. it may come up occasionally. Have you, yeah. have you had good feedback from the yeah. elders or have some... Yeah. I, uh, it's interesting. Um, it does, it comes up a lot actually, actually. Yeah. Um, cause you're safe to talk to it. Because, People talk about well, it. we have an awesome, we branch. have a great branch. I, I love our branch. I, um, because for me, many of the messages that, yeah, I, I teach right frequently in elders quorum. And for me, many of the messages that I find compelling from general conference are partly compelling because I, because of this aspect of my life, this, you know, this, my being, you know, not exactly heterosexual. And so I, and I don't like, I'm the, uh, the sort of person who I strongly dislike euphemism or um, indirection. I like to know what I'm talking about and I like other people to, be able to talk directly about things. Um, and so if I find myself 
identifying with this message in a certain way that has to do with my sexuality, I, I go with that. I, I try not to censor myself because, and I've told them before, it's like, I know it may seem like this is all I ever talk about, but it's what I'm thinking. And I think they've gotten used to me. I hope, um, they, and, and they, we have um, a, a range of ages and experiences, even in that small branch. Um, and, and they've all been just completely water off a duck's back. I mean, they've just been so great. I assume if you're open with something pretty tender about you, that that sends yeah. a message that if I'm an elder in your quorum, um, and you don't need to get into examples yeah. that I'm, you know, and I've got something in my life, you know, I'm, Brett's probably a pretty safe guy to talk to about it. If he's going to talk about mm-hmm. this, then I, I can sure open up so. to him about stuff. And I, maybe that's true for both of you in your branches. You're talking about mm. difficult stuff. It sort of telegraphs or indicates that, hey, you know, they're pretty real people. I could, they can probably handle this situation in my family or yeah. how I'm feeling. I, I think that's one of the beauties of your ministry. Yeah. Well, and uh, that was something that I, I wanted to uh say really quick is that um, it's really important that we witness, you know, the Mm. goodness of God. And so if we're going, Ooh, it's same sex attraction. I just, I don't know if I want to bring it up again or anything. I feel like the, we're, we're mistaken Mm -hmm. that if we have, if we're prompted by the Holy ghost to bear witness of the goodness of God, um, that we should do it. Right. And so we do. And so, and I had to give a talk in sacrament meeting just last week. And, and very unusual. Um, I was assignment. asked to talk about gratitude during hardships, not just after when they're over, but, and, and to reference my experiences in dealing with Brett's same sex attraction. I was specifically asked to do that in the sacrament meeting talk. Yeah. And she did great. Aww. It was great. It was a great talk. What a great, because all of us are walking that road, Becky. All of us need to hear things, people that are walking that road and how they're walking it, because we're all walking that road. Yeah. Um, and so thank you for that's, that talk. That's a great, great branch. Love yeah. our branch. Yeah. Um, any final comments? Um, it's probably hard to just bring one final comment. Um, yeah, Brett and then Becky. Okay. Um, one of the things that I wanted to be sure to say, um, I imagine saying this first thing so I wouldn't forget, but I didn't first thing. So I'll say it now is, um, thank you. Um, I, um, This, uh, what you're doing uh, is so, so important, I think, because it, um, it is a rare, I don't, I don't know of anything else like this. I don't know of, uh, I, I think you have a rare gift for listening. Um, it's not, it's not common that people, um, get in front of a microphone and listen. And, uh, of course I've heard many other guests on your show talk about the importance of, um, feeling like people are listening to them because often 
they have felt like um, they have not been listened to. And um, I, I just, I just um, am so thankful. Thank you for um, doing what you're doing and for doing it so well. Um, I think it's a, it's a, just a beautiful and um, productive uh, uh, ministry uh, of, um, of listening. Uh, and I think that's a great, great model. Um, <clears throat> I, I, um, also I want to just say that, um, the most important thing in all of this for me and the hardest thing for me has been, uh, uh the coming to believe in a way that I can make actual in my everyday life that God accepts me, that God loves me. There's been so much, uh, in, uh, the way that I was acculturated in my younger years that was, that gave me the opposite message that I, I could not believe that I could be acceptable to God, that I was acceptable to God. And that to know that is so important and it, it, it's something that I'm still working really. It, it, it is so hard to overcome the idea that just my being is unacceptable. It, it just, it's so, it colors everything about your life, my life. And I, and I want uh, people generally to uh, understand, to work to understand that we are all acceptable, that God not only loves us, he accepts us. He, he uh, is on our side. We are, not, we are not in an adversarial relationship with God. And um, that if we can make that um, operative, that knowledge operative in our lives, that will, that will uh, free us up to do really good work, whatever that work needs to be. Thank you. Becky. Uh, uh, Brett is so eloquent. <laughs> he is. You both uh, are. Um, I, you know, for me, it just, um, all, just all goes right back to the basics. You know, that I know the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true. And and um and sometimes i just really don't know all the answers but i know that it's true and um and uh i also uh know that um that god is blessing my marriage and that god intends my marriage and that God validates my marriage. And um, I just can't believe how crazy blessed I am to be married to this man. And, and um, I'm just, I, 
feel so blessed. And, um, yeah, and you can talk to me next week when Brett does something stupid and I'm really mad, but um, mm-hmm. I am so blessed. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade my life, my marriage for, for anything. Thank you. I'm just so touched by both of you. This has been one of our finest podcasts. Um, you two are heroes to me, to our listeners, um, for having the courage to share your story. For Brett, for you having the courage to, you know, see this path um, that I think was divine led by this talk and the things that then happened in your life to come out to Becky, to Becky's response. Um, I wish our listeners could see the two of you. You're on the other side of this table, but the whole time you've just been looking at each other with your arms around each other, reaching out. And the this is just a beautiful love story. It's an authentic, beautiful love story. Um, thank you for the compliment on the podcast, Brett. Um, I'm glad to be doing the podcast, but the real heroes are the guests like you that come on and bravely share your story so that we can all learn how to do better. Um, so thank you. You know, we all just want to reach through the microphones and give you a big hug for what you've done being on this podcast, what you've done the last few years. And I just think this is part of the chapters of books, chapters that will you'll continue to write as you serve faithfully in the church and have this what I'd call unofficial ministry mm-hmm. that won't show up on your LDS tools assignment. <laughs> Um, to just create more understanding um, in this space. And I hope many people get to hear your voice and we grow and learn from our LGBTQ members. So we love you and we're grateful for our listeners. And we'll sign off from another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler.